Thank you, choir, orchestra. You may get to sing that at the end of the service again. I absolutely love it. I was thinking as they were singing, the truth in the scripture that is reflected in that music. And then next Sunday when you gather here, I'm going to be where Jesus was born. So I got excited about that also. Well, we've been involved in our various traditions these past days, shopping, cooking, going to the pageant, friends and family gathering, the giving of gifts. Tomorrow you begin the exchanging of gifts. Hopefully you'll get them paid off sometimes next year before you have to get new gifts. But we all have these traditions that we honor at Christmas time. Today I just want us to be reminded of the reason for Christmas, as you have already been reminded. But the story is in Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt, but later on he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Thou shalt multiply the nation, thou shalt increase their gladness. They will be glad in thy presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou shalt break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There are more than 360 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the coming of the Messiah. It was prophesied about his birth. Isaiah prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. In Isaiah 7:14, behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she will call his name Emmanuel, or God with us. Some 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah said when the Messiah comes, he will be born of a virgin, and Mary was a virgin. At about the same time, a contemporary of Isaiah, Micah, prophesied that when the Messiah is born, he will be born in Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler of Israel. At about the same time, prophesied that when the Messiah comes, he will be born in Bethlehem. There are two Bethlehems in Israel. There's one about seven miles to the north of Nazareth, the other is about five miles to the south of Jerusalem. And in the prophecy, the Bethlehem near Jerusalem was pinpointed. And that is where Jesus was born. His 
birth was prophesied. And then we see the titles given in verse number 6, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah described this child who was prophesied with four two-word titles. This child who is born with four two-word titles. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful is not an adjective describing counselor. They both are nouns. So he said that he is wonderful. And the word means miraculously accomplishing things that only God can accomplish. This child who is going to be born, this Savior I am sending, is going to have the power to accomplish things that only God can accomplish. Wonderful. Counselor. The word counselor means ruling with the kind of all-knowing wisdom that only God can have. This child who is going to be born, this Messiah that I have promised, he is going to be wonderful, powerful. He is counselor, wisdom, having the power that only comes from God and the wisdom that only comes from God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. That title speaks of his omnipotence, the baby who was born. He was born helpless. He was born dependent like any other baby, dependent upon his parents to take care of him, to minister to him, to meet his needs. And yet this babe is the mighty God. This one born in Bethlehem whose birth we celebrate, the mighty God. He raised the dead back to life, caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, the leper to be whole, and walked on water. This babe whose birth we celebrate is the mighty God, the all-powerful God, eternal Father. That's a curious title because the scripture says that a child is born and then refers to the child as eternal father. A child, eternal father. That in part speaks of his dual nature, that this babe who was born obviously was born in the form of mankind, of humanity. The scripture says in Philippians 2, 7, taking the form of a bondservant and being, being made in the likeness of men. So this mighty God who was born is made in the likeness of men, like you and me with flesh. He had an earthly body, a human body. And yet he is God. Because the scripture says in Philippians 2, 6, although he existed in the form of God. The baby who was born, whose birth we celebrate, he was born in a human body as a babe, but he was God. It also speaks of the mystery of the Trinity because he is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one, one in three, eternal Father. 
and then Prince of Peace. In the English language, that's three words, Prince of Peace. In Hebrew, it is two words, Prince Peace. He is the God of Peace. Philippians 4.9 says, The God of Peace shall be with you. I know sometimes we don't think of God in those terms. There are some, perhaps, of you who think of God as being austere, as being judgmental, and yet the Bible says that he is the God of peace. And the God of peace gives to us the peace of God. The scripture says in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, if you know the God of peace, then you can experience the peace of God. He is the God of peace. So there are prophecies concerning the Messiah. There are also prophecies concerning not only his birth, but his ministry. In other words, why did he come? We celebrate the birth of a baby. We say that he was wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal father, prince of peace. Why did he come? Why was he born? Well, he came to give hope to mankind. We need some hope, don't we? He came to give hope. And he gives to us the hope of freedom. Isaiah 61.1, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Matthew Henry wrote, if God makes former deliverances his pattern in working for us, we ought to make them our encouragement to hope in Him. He came to give us hope, hope of freedom. In other words, we are not slaves, we are sons of God. When we know the Messiah, the one who came, we are not slaves, we are sons. He came to give us the hope of freedom. He came to give us the hope of favor. Isaiah 61, 2, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So when He came, He came with His glorious light. Matthew Henry wrote, which shall so qualify and by degree dispel the dimness. Move out the darkness, dispel the dimness. He came to give us universal joy. Matthew Henry wrote the gospel when it comes in its light and power brings joy along with it. So why did he come? He came to give us hope. The hope of freedom in Christ. The hope of favor in Christ. He came to give us healing. Isaiah 61, 1, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Stephen Dow wrote that is a term referring to those who have been broken or oppressed or humbled. Matthew Henry wrote, those whose hearts are broken for sin, who are truly humbled under the sense of guilt and dread of wrath, are furnished in the gospel of Christ with that which will make them easy and silence their fears. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He binds us up, the brokenhearted. That's what happened to the woman who came to Jesus and anointed his feet with perfume. She was broken. 
she was a broken woman. She understood her sin, she understood her condition, and she came to Jesus broken, and she was bound up. He comes to heal our brokenheartedness and heal those who mourn. Isaiah 61, 3, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are they who mourn, they shall be comforted. Christmas is a time of celebration and I look forward to Christmas, always do. We were together last night with, with my family and had a wonderful time together. And I hope you did as well. But at the same time, I know that there are some of you here who are mourning. Many are celebrating, some are mourning. Some because of the loss of a spouse, and this is your first Christmas without that spouse. Some of you, because of illness, and you're struggling with it, and you know what lies ahead, or maybe you don't. Some of you mourn because of a wayward child, grandchild, and your heart is broken. What I want to say to you today is that Jesus Christ came to heal those who mourn, to comfort those who mourn. You see, the truth is, there are so many times when I would like to comfort or to encourage someone who is brokenhearted, someone who mourns and yet can't, but the Lord can. The Holy Spirit can. Why, why did He come? He came to give us hope. He came to give us healing. And He came to give us holiness. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, 3, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. You see, the babe who was born is holy. The Bible says that God is holy. When Isaiah went into the temple and saw the Lord high and lifted up, he saw, he saw God high and lifted up and he said, holy, holy, holy. He is holy. I know that we talk mostly about God being a God of love, and He is loving. But it says three times there that He is holy. His primary characteristic is holiness. He is holy. And the people of God are to be holy. Peter wrote, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So there is the prophecy concerning His ministry. Why did He come? We know that the babe came. We celebrate His birth. But why did He come? came to give us hope. And maybe today you feel hopeless. Well, Jesus came to give you hope. He came to give us healing. Maybe today you are mourning. Maybe you have a broken heart. He came to give healing. And He came to give us holiness. Christmas reveals to us His method for His ministry and we see the method of the Lord in the story of the shepherds that we looked at, I think, last week. I would say that the announcement concerning the birth of Christ came to the shepherds at night. Now, that represents for us a life of darkness 
before Christ. Before Christ, we live in darkness. Before Christ, there is darkness without light. So the Bible says in Luke 1, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. In other words, when Jesus was born, the long night of darkness had ended with his birth. There was darkness before the Lord came. So the announcement was made in darkness that the light had come. The light appeared and that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9 verse number 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. So that was the prophecy. That's what the people were looking for. That they were in darkness but the light would come and the prophecy was fulfilled at his birth. It says in Luke 2, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's what happened to the shepherds. They were out in the field. It was night. It was dark. But then the light appeared. There was light. You know, a believer is someone who's simply seen the light. A believer is someone who has seen the light of Jesus The scripture says there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. So when we look at the method of the Lord concerning this, the announcement was made in the night that the light had come and the shepherds were fearful. The scripture says in Luke 2, 9, and they were terribly frightened. Why? Well, because they didn't understand all that was going on around them. I mean, here they are taking care of the sheep. It was just a normal night. And then the angel appeared and announced the birth of the Messiah to them. Can you imagine having been that shepherd? You weren't expecting such a heavenly being speak to you. You weren't expecting the announcement that the Savior had been born. So the Bible says that they were fearful as a result of it. They were frightened. That's the truth that They didn't understand, so they were frightened. And ladies and gentlemen, concerning your relationship with God, maybe you are frightened as well because you don't understand. If I really give my life to the Lord, if I become a follower of Jesus Christ, what is He going to want me to do? Am I going to like what He wants me to do? So there's fear because we don't know. Linda and I were... This past week we were going somewhere, we went along, she said, you know, why was it so hard for us to say yes to God when he called us in the ministry? Because God has blessed us so incredibly. Why was it so hard? Well, because you don't know. That's just a natural thing, so you respond in faith. So whenever I look at the method of the Lord, The announcement came in the night symbolizing our condition before Christ that we are in darkness, that the light has come and there's a certain amount of fear that goes with it. That's just the way that it is. So we know his method, but what is his message? Well, it's a message of good news. The scripture says, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. The good news is good because of the bad news. Without Christ, we are lost. Have you ever been lost? And I'm, I'm talking about physically. Have you ever been lost? When I moved to South Carolina, I was lost for a month. 
I was so frustrated because I had never experienced that before. I, yeah, where I grew up, it was the plains, and and uh, you could see for you know you could see for miles because there were no trees. And I came here, and and the uh, you know and where I came from, every mile there was a road, so everything was laid out north, south, east, west. It meanders here. And then you can't see anything because of all the trees. I'd be going down the road and I couldn't, I didn't know where it was. I was lost. I was lost. It's a terrible feeling. One night I got a call, I remember, and Linda had gone somewhere and, and she is just about at tears. And she said, uh, she said, I'm lost. I said, well, where are you? She said, I just told you I'm lost. <laughs> I said, well, just keep driving. You're going to see something after a while. But it is a terrible feeling to be lost, and yet spiritually, ladies and gentlemen, that is the way we are without Christ. We are lost. And then there is hell. That's what the Bible says, that apart from Jesus Christ that we have an eternity in hell. So the good news, that's the bad news, and that's the reason for the good news. The good news is in Jesus Christ I am forgiven of my sin. In Jesus Christ I am forgiven, I become a child of God, and so then there is heaven that awaits me, not hell. Heaven awaits me. So it's good news. Great joy. Luke 2.10, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. Ladies and gentlemen, the message of Christmas, the message of Scripture is a message of joy. I know there are a lot of people who don't, who don't think of Christianity in those terms, but did you know that God is joyful? Did you know that? A lot of people think of God as being austere and withdrawn and he's sitting in that big rocking chair in heaven just waiting for me to do something wrong so he can zap me. He's mad about something, taking it out on me. God's joyful. The Bible says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with great joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. God is joyful. Christians should be joyful, but sometimes we don't exhibit that, do we? Paul asks the Galatians, where then is that sense of blessing you had? What happened to you? Where's your joy? Where's your joy? Where's that sense of blessing you had? There was a pastor who had the opportunity of meeting Groucho Marx once, and he said to him, Mr. Marx, I want to thank you for bringing so much joy into the world. Groucho Marx said, I want to thank you for taking so much out. I'm afraid sometimes we do. I'm afraid time, times that, you know, I'm, I'm no different than you. I, I, I used to get around some Christians and I think, well, I don't know what they have, but I sure don't want it. God is joyful and we are to be joyful. Billy Sunday said, the trouble with many men is that they have just enough religion to make them miserable. If there is not joy in religion, you've got a leak in your religion. There are some who have a leak in their religion. Got just enough to make them miserable. Early in my ministry, I began to notice that 
I was more impacted and, and affected more by the older preachers. And I'm talking about Herschel Hobbs and J.D. Gray and a lot of guys like that. And then I began to ask the question, why? Why is it that you are so influenced by those older pastors? This is my conclusion. They take the gospel seriously, but not themselves. And today there are far too many who take themselves seriously. Folks, God uses us, but the world does not rest on my shoulders. It rests on His. A Christian should be joyful because the Lord is joyful. Let me conclude. What's the story of Christmas? It's the story of a cradle. Jesus, the promised Messiah, was born in Bethlehem. It is the story of a cross. He died on Calvary to pay for our sins. And it's a story of a crown. He wore a crown of thorns as he faced the cross. And he wears a crown of glory now. All who trust him will also receive a crown of glory. Paul says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. Not to me only, to all those who love his appearing. As I was back in my study before coming out, during the Christmas pageant, I was seated up there with Reverend Jackson at Brookland Baptist. And y'all were singing that song. Come see what God has done. And Charles turned to me and he said, that's it. I said, that's what? He said, that's my Christmas sermon. I'm going to preach. Come see what God has done. That's what today is. Come see what God has done. He has done marvelous things. And we worship him. Do you know him? Do you know the Savior? Oh, if you don't, I, I pray that you might today. Our gracious Father, we come to you at this time before we extend this invitation on your behalf. I pray for those, Lord, who, who do not know you, that today they would trust the risen Savior, that they would have the joy of your presence, the forgiveness of your sacrifice. Lord, I just pray that today you would touch hearts in Christ's name. Amen just a moment we're going to stand extend an invitation the choir will sing the staff will be here if you're here without christ come receive him if you're looking for a church home our doors open we'd love to have you stand with me please as we stand they sing you come i'll greet you as you do